polygamy evokes various responses in different people. One LDS lady said it makes her want to vomit. We'll talk about that next on Polygamy, What Love Is This? In our continued quest to find out the uh, best and the worst within uh, the polygamy realm of things, we find that there's very little in the best and more than enough in the worst categories. We encountered a blog authored by an LDS lady who had plenty to say about her negative responses to polygamy. The blog is entitled, I am LDS and polygamy makes me want to vomit. Now the link to that blog is on the screen for those who are interested in reading the whole thing. And we're going to walk through her comments about Joseph Smith and his Mormon yeah. polygamy. And we're going to comment on her <laughs> comments. So we'll quote a bit of what she said and then make our observations and then read some more until we finish critiquing her blog. She subtitled her blog saying, quote, How you can believe Joseph Smith was a prophet without understanding polygamy. Yeah. Now, I took this statement as being an indoctrination tactic. <laughs> and by the time we're finished, we discover that there are so many illogical arguments that result in justifying Joseph Smith's polygamy. She began with the following statement. The LDS Church renounced polygamy in 1890 or 1904, depending how you, on how you look at it. It's been over more for more than 100 years. Okay, so it's been over for more than 100 years. Right. But, but she gave two dates on which the LDS Church gave up polygamy, and then she said, depends on how you look at it. Well, there's either a date they gave it up or there isn't. <laughs> Opinion or how you look at it doesn't even count when we're dealing with facts. Right. And the fact is, in 1890, the LDS Church said that they renounced polygamy, but they didn't. Yeah. And they were forced to give it up in 1904, uh, by the federal government. And then she wrote this comment, the statement that grabbed my attention. <laughs> <laughs> but that doesn't make me feel any better about it. The idea of polygamy makes me want to vomit. <laughs> there you go. Though that's, that's the pretty descriptive. <laughs> <laughs> very much so. So now we know how she feels about Joseph Smith's alleged revelation on polygamy. It makes her sick. There are many people who say the same thing. Polygamy makes them sick. Uh, LDS women who think that they may be required to share their husbands in Mormon celestial kingdom or polygamous wives today who are suffering the actual experience of sharing her husband with many women. It makes them sick. Emotionally sick, spiritually depleted, and even physically sick. I always want to bring your attention to God's character when we discuss this, because a God who requires a sickening sexual behavior in order to qualify for heaven necessitates a God with no moral character. She continues, If God himself appeared to me and asked me to practice polygamy, I would plead with him for mercy and ask, is there no other way? That's a temple thing, too, mm. a temple comment. LDS would catch. <laughs> a lot of LDS women feel this way or variations of it. The disgust for it can run so deep it can leave a big hole of doubt in our testimonies of the gospel or of Joseph Smith. So let's talk about it. Well, we're going to talk about it, <laughs> but let's bring truth into it, not a method of justifying Joseph Smith's character at the expense of damaging God's character. 
If this woman believes that God would ask anyone to practice polygamy, she cannot know the only true God, the God who has revealed himself in the biblical record. He is the one who instituted monogamy, and he does not waffle back and forth about anything. She said, if God told her to live polygamy, she would ask him, is there no other way? But if she knew the biblical gospel, she would know the answer to that question. There is another way. And since there is another way, why would God choose the way of polygamy? Is there another way? Well, there is, yes. which would stop every single argument about polygamy forever. And this is what it says. Both of them in John, John 14, 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And John 10, 9, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. So that's the other way. That's the other right? way. Right? And it's not polygamy. And if you know the biblical gospel and that Jesus is the way and the only way, actually, you would immediately denounce polygamy and Joseph Smith because he taught a different way. Those two passages point to Jesus Christ as the way, the only way, not polygamy. In fact, as you read through the New Testament, you will never find the words polygamy or the principle or celestial marriage as a way to obey God. Yet, Joseph Smith, all of Mormonism may claim of a restored religion, which included polygamy. polygamy. And that claim completely undermines Jesus as Savior and places God's character into question. It's difficult to understand why people would rather choose Joseph Smith or polygamy in place of Jesus. Now she brings in the canned version <laughs> to justify early Mormon polygamy, a justification that fails in every respect. We've heard this quite often. Oh, yes. <laughs> you can look at any polygamous family tree and see that it was definitely a useful tool in building up a lot of born and bred church members. Or in other words, it was effective in raising up a righteous generation. <laughs> You're right. I've heard this so many times. I just, I just want to cringe every time I hear it. And they always fall back on the argument of, of raising up the righteous seed or, yeah. or the righteous generation. And polygamy groups do that every day in their yeah. teachings, too. Yeah. But we have questions on this. Can only polygamy be effective in raising up a righteous generation, righteous children? Only polygamy do that? Did God need polygamy in order to inspire the children to grow up to be righteous? Are there no other people on this planet that can be raised up to be righteous people except polygamists? Does Mormonism have an exclusivity to righteousness? Some people think so, but it's not true. And is it possible that God, who instituted monogamy, would contradict himself by requiring polygamy in order to be righteous? And to bring mathematics into it, one man with five wives cannot have more children than five men each with one wife. And finally, if it takes polygamy to raise up a righteous seed, then the LDS Church has not been able to raise up righteous people since they gave up polygamy in 1904. Good point. <laughs> She's right about one thing. Polygamy was a tool to build born and bred Mormon Church members, but that's about it. Hmm. And then she asked some important questions. Mm -hmm. But what about those wives? What about sex? When the show Sister Wives came out, 
I eventually took an interest and watched an episode, and then another and another and another. As, the mem- as a member of the LDS Church, I was fascinated by the practice of polygamy of this offshoot group that practices polygamy based on the teachings of Joseph Smith. Let's be clear, we're not the same church. They say that over and over that over and over on the show. They aren't LDS. Current polygamists with ties to Joseph Smith are all offshoot religions that split back in 1890 or 1904. At first I watched like it was some sort of horror show. I'm embarrassed about that. It's not exactly a kind thing to do. They are real people, after all. Okay. Lots to say about this. Yes. <laughs> yes, the sister wives are real people, and for many years the show more or less glorified polygamy. No. They didn't talk about the real issues on the show. They didn't explain celestial kingdom issues and the do-it-or-be-damned threats of Joseph Smith. They just tried to present polygamy as a valid alternative lifestyle, but it didn't work because going against what God has decreed will never achieve success. The more recent sister wives programs are revealing their polygamy is painful and hurtful and is tearing apart their family. She said when she first saw the program, she saw it as a horror show, that those living it are actually experiencing a living nightmare most of the time. Yes, they are real people, real people who have been led astray by the false teachings and revelations of Joseph Smith. And tragically, there are hundreds, there are even thousands of women suffering under this horror as we speak. She asked, well, what about all those wives? What about all the sex? Well, the same question is asked by many people, but the sex is none of our business. It's their own private concern. But polygamy groups have a huge problem with child sexual abuse, neglect, favoritism, a sense of abandonment, and loneliness that is inherent in Mm. polygamy. She continues with her comments about the sister wives. After a few episodes, I started to see something besides horror. I started to see how my LDS church ancestors might have benefited from polygamy, and that made me feel pretty weird. I saw how the women have to overcome things like pride and jealousy. Over the episodes, the sister wives earned my respect. Maybe polygamy can help you develop Christ-like attributes. They had a wonderful built-in support system. There was a lot of love shown in their families. One wife was only able to have one child. Because of her polygamous family, her daughter had siblings, and she was able to be a mother to many. I'm sure the sister wives aren't perfect, but it gave me a glimpse of how polygamy in the early days of the church might have worked and been a good thing. Now, this is where the doctrinational <laughs> yeah. uh, mind control, brainwashing thing kind of takes it's a, in. It's a good thing. Because, yeah, because they can bring out things that will make it, make sound, it sound like good. Yeah. I, I had a phone call uh, several years ago from a man down in Hurricane, and he said his wife wants him to take another wife. And I wanted to ask you what you thought, should I do that or not? And I said, why does she want you to do that? They weren't part of the group. 
course, that's not too far from the FLDS group right. in, in Colorado City. But she, he said, well, she wants somebody to help her with the housework and to be a nanny to our kids <laughs> and figured that if I took another wife, we would she, have that built-in thing. She could help out. And, and that's kind of what she is saying here in yeah. her comments, that you have a built-in babysitter or right. a built-in housekeeper or something. I told him the first time that you took her to bed, she'd have her mind changed. So I would advise <laughs> against it. I don't know what happened. Oh, dear. But, but I would have to comment here on the on her comment that the horror of the sister wife's polygamy <laughs> changed in her mind into a perceived benefit. Yeah. Um, the intended doctrination was doing its job, I trying, think. Trying to look for the good in, in a in bad situation. Bad. Yeah. She said that she began to recognize how her LDS ancestors benefited from polygamy. But we're, I mean, I'm here to tell you there is no benefit into polygamy. That's a smokescreen. Um, and, and I'm coming from a polygamy family, and I know polygamous women, and we've interviewed ex-polygamous wives sure. on the show, and we've re reviewed several books on polygamy on the show, and there's no benefit to polygamy. We want to quickly interject here, however, that many LDS get their positive ideas about polygamy from statements that they have read in journals of, sure. uh, or other uh, public statements made by early pioneer Mormon plural wives. But you need to know that those pioneer plural wives were not allowed to publicly speak out against polygamy. They, their husbands didn't allow it. Women were under their thumb. It's a patriarchal society. They can't say anything bad about it. And so you won't read a whole lot of negative about it from the early Mormon plural wives. Not if they wanted to viewpoint. stay married That's right. and alive. Except there, we do have one exception. We're going to talk about that here. Um, they were, the, the, for the most part, they were required to shut up and live their religion, which yeah. was the word they used. But inside the homes, privately behind the closed doors, there were many complaints. And some of them ultimately became public. In fact, it got so bad that Brigham Young preached from the pulpit, shut up or get out. And here's part of what he said publicly. From the Journal of Discourses. <laughs> There is no cessation to the everlasting whining of many of the women in this territory. If the women will turn from the commandments of God and continue to despise the order of heaven, I will pray that the curse of the Almighty may be close to their heels. Prepare yourselves for two weeks from tomorrow, and I will tell you now that if you will tarry with your husbands after I have set you free, you must bow down to it polygamy, mm -hmm. and submit yourselves to the celestial law. You may go where you please after two weeks from tomorrow, but remember that I will not hear any more of this whining. <laughs> so you, where's, Happy the, days. where's the benefit? You know, where's the benefit in this? And what man, I mean, he's supposed to be a man of God, Brigham Brig Young. The man of God. <laughs> at that time, the yeah. man of God. Who's going to pray that the curse of the Almighty is going to follow the heels of a former plural wife. Who would pray that? No, no. You don't even pray. Jesus said pray for your enemies. He didn't say pray a curse on no them. No love there. And, and, and after Brigham Young preached this, uh, Heber C. Kimball and Brigham Young, and of course, uh, of course Brigham Young, but Joseph uh, Lee Robinson and other polygamous men were all in agreement with Brigham Young's <laughs> statement there. So they all had complaining plural wives. Yeah. They were tired of them. It didn't matter that they had many things to legitimately complain about. But sadly, those who continue to justify polygamy, they don't do the research. 
and find the truth. And, and it's too bad they don't, uh, because things like this would show yeah. them that the actual experience of polygamy in those days was not a benefit. But their ancestors had to shut up and endure it. And our program asks the question, what love is this? Because we know that it isn't genuine divine love that could require polygamy. The author of this blog said that she saw how plural wives have to overcome pride and jealousy. That the sister wives had earned her respect and that perhaps polygamy can help develop Christ-like attributes. Now that again is, <laughs> is what is being taught and preached in polygamy groups today. It was preached when I was growing up in it. It's preached today yeah. uh, in the polygamy groups that polygamy will make you Christ-like <laughs> and help you to endure, you know, and be a better person. Yeah. But that's nothing but rhetorical hogwash. Using polygamy as a means of overcoming our sinful nature is equivalent to jumping off a cliff so that we can learn how to overcome gravity. Uh, we don't do wrong things so that we can learn how to stop doing wrong things. <laughs> and that's what, that's that's what their, their argument is all about. Yeah. God has another way for us to overcome our sinful natures. Everyone who believes and receives Jesus alone and trusts him alone to save us, not, in, not, not <laughs> live in polygamy to save right. us, to help save us, but everyone who trusts him alone is given the gift of the Holy Spirit. And he alone provides the power to overcome our sinful behaviors. Never in all of biblical scripture are we informed that polygamy is meant to help us overcome sinful behaviors and attributes. And polygamy does not help develop Christ-like character either. Instead, polygamy provokes and empowers the sinful nature in those who live it, causing even more sinful behavior and negative attitudes, which polygamists have learned to hide very well. Actually, yeah. they do publicly. They're, you know, they're, they're a lot like the, the LDS Church, where image is so important. Right. What, what you show others to, to keep them from criticizing you and yeah. judging you. And so they, they put forth that, that beauty. Hypocritical. Yeah, because behind those closed doors, there's a lot of pain. Yeah. And there's a lot of hypocrisy in what they do according to what, how their lives really are. And they don't show it. So, um, so they hide it. They hide it very well. Actually, the outward behavior that we're talking about is a false humility. And, and, and even a martyr complex. Many polygamy wives will, will uh, adopt a martyr complex. She's being martyred for her faith. I think my mother had that very, very well. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. And they think they're, and you, if you read and some. And they feel they'll be blessed in heaven. Oh, yeah. They'll be doubly their... blessed for all the pain they suffered here. In fact, I think it was Sarah Pratt or Heber C. Kimball's wife that said that God would be very unjust if he did not give them a special blessing for all they had to suffer here in polygamy. <laughs> yeah. You know. Reading that. Yeah, so it it is a martyr complex that they will adopt because there is a lot of pain in polygamy, and and then she said that polygamy has a wonderful built-in support system. It does not that you know you can hire household help and babysitters or nannies that don't sleep with your husband. <laughs> okay, a woman can have all sorts of support systems from friends or neighbors or family or relatives without having be forced. To share, for the, to share her husband with them in bed. 
uh, plural wives are not support systems, by the way. They are jealousy provokers, yeah, and imagine. they cause the, the cause of more problems than they can ever solve. And a good example of that is if you read First Samuel chapter one, where it talks about Hannah, who is married to uh, has a man who has two wives. She evidently was his first wife, but she couldn't have kids, so he took a second wife. And it, that first chapter talks about her pain. He, she provoked Hannah. The other wife provoked Hannah. I'm having kids and you're not kind of thing, you know. And, and Hannah was miserable, absolutely, totally miserable. So it doesn't provoke Christ-like character. It, no. it provokes the, alt, the opposite. The pain, for that, sure. The pain, yes. Yeah. And, and then there's favoritism. Uh, that's something that no plural marriage can ever avoid. Even though they may deny it, favoritism is a huge problem in any and every plural marriage. It's painful, it's lonely, it's destructive. It would have to be it favoritism. Is. I mean, there, yeah. looking at his wives, you know which mm -hmm. ones he... Okay, well, yeah. okay. There's some that that's you're just, just human nature. soulmates with and some you're not. That's yeah. true. It is human yeah. nature. Yeah. Uh, and, and, so, and now she said that she respected the plural wives, but in this late, these latest plural wives or sister wives programs is revealing the reality of its destruction and the breaking up of at least one of Cody Brown's plural marriages. And so we wonder if the lady who wrote this blog continues to hold the sister wives in such high regard now that she's sees what the truth really is as it's working itself out. But she has more to say about polygamous families. Obviously, not all polygamous families are this way. I don't have to look further than Warren Jeffs to feel the vomit coming up again. I suspect this is how it was back then, too. Maybe for some men, it was about the sex. Maybe it was about controlling women. But maybe for others, it was a struggle. Maybe it taught some men patience, long Here's the good stuff again. Mm -hmm. Patience, long-suffering, and other wonderful attributes. Now, there's a lot of maybes here yeah. in her comments, but <laughs> a harm load of maybes don't get you into heaven. Uh, she said Warren Jeffs makes her want to vomit. But he did the same things Same that Joseph, Joseph Smith, Smith did. Yeah. Joseph Smith married 11 teenagers, and he was in his late 30s, a pedophile by today's definition. Uh, Joseph Smith married 11 women who already had legal husbands, an adulterer by God's definition. Joseph Smith denied polygamy, but practiced it in secret, a deceiver by anyone's definition. <laughs> And even if polygamy did teach men patience, as she believes, and long-suffering and other wonderful attributes, do two wrongs make a right? When, does that, when did that happen? Uh, does God expect us to disobey him so we can learn something good? <laughs> even a bank robber or a murderer can learn patience waiting for the best time to do their evil <laughs> deed. You know, So far, she has given us no valid justification for polygamy. Her next comment is this. <clears throat> they say Joseph Smith had up to 30 wives. My first reaction is vomit. But then I slap myself and say, but Joseph was not Warren Jeffs. I read the Book of Mormon and I feel it. I feel that it is true. Joseph Smith did that. I read the account of the first vision and my soul is stunned. That was Joseph Smith. I go to the temple and I feel the presence of God. Joseph Smith did that. I may never have met Joseph Smith, but I kind of know him, and I've seen what has come from him. Yeah, just take a look at all the miserable polygamist homes. 
and and this is almost too much to explain in the little time that we yeah, have left. Yeah, there's a lot in that little paragraph there. <laughs> but we'll trudge through it as best we can. She counted up to 30 wives for Joseph Smith. He had actually documented 34. And the, yeah. Even the LDS Church says he could have had as many as 40. Yeah. Uh, her there first reaction, again, is to vomit. Well, she should. <laughs> She said Joseph Smith was not Warren Jeffs, but Warren Jeffs walked in Joseph Smith's footsteps and he studied what Joseph Smith taught and he did what Joseph Smith did. And all of today's polygamy groups study Joseph Smith and learn what he taught about polygamy. They actually know his teachings better than the LDS do simply I'm because sure the do. LDS have sanitized their own history. Yeah. She said, quote, I read the Book of Mormon and I feel it. I, I feel that it is true. Joseph Smith did that. You can see how she reverences yeah. him. And yes, he did do that. More shame to him. The Book of Mormon has been proven beyond any doubt to have been 100% fraud. Over 50% of it was plagiarized from the Bible. That alone is deceitful, fraudulent. <laughs> Mormon doctrine isn't even in the Book of Mormon, and it prohibits polygamy. The Book of Mormon refers to polygamy as adulteries and abominations. That's your Joseph Smith. We want to quote these passages again just to help <laughs> you remember <laughs> what the Book From of Mormon Jacob says. From Jacob 2.24 through 28. <laughs> Behold, David and Solomon truly had many wives and concubines, which thing was abominable before me, saith the Lord. Wherefore I, the Lord, will not suffer that this people shall do like unto them of old. Wherefore, my brethren, hear me, and hearken to the word of the Lord. For there shall not any man among you have save it be one wife, and concubines he shall have none. For I, the Lord God, delight in the chastity of women, and whoredoms are an abomination before me. Thus saith the Lord of hosts. Okay. Yeah. So all sorts of spinning has been done and is done to make these verses, verses say something they're not really saying. But these words are clear. Don't do what David and Solomon did regarding having many wives and concubines. It's abominable. Have no concubines, it says. It's whoredom and an abomination. And by the way, they always bring up verse 30 to say that God may require polygamy. God may require an abomination to raise up righteous seed. But the God who's revealed in the Bible would never expect such a thing. And Joseph Smith's polygamy should make us all vomit. She said the Book of Mormon and Smith's vision claims and the temple experience all make her feel like it's true and makes her feel like she knows Joseph Smith. But our feelings are not the measure for truth. No. We cannot rely upon our feelings. Faithful LDS and polygamists need to study and discover there are at least nine different versions of his first vision. Which one makes her have those good feelings? And God cannot be the author of temples filled with secret ceremonies and rituals. No one should hang their eternity on how anything or anyone makes you feel. Now, we have, we're out of time, and we have a lot more to say about what she has said and more of what she did say. And we're going to do that in part two as we talk about her comments about what she talks about. Very clever. <laughs> Thank you, Earl. You bet. Thank you. 
You know, people say that they could never accept a God who sends people to hell, but that isn't what the Bible teaches. God sends no one to hell. John 3, 17 and 18 says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe in him is condemned already. Jesus said the world is condemned already. Jesus came so that those who will trust him will be kept from being condemned from the world. Now, people can trust Mormonism or polygamy or any number of alternatives, but only Jesus can save us from being condemned with the world. You can even try to save yourself, but you can't be your own savior. Jesus is the only savior, and there's no security in any other message or person. The world is already condemned, and you can go there with it, or you can take the only way to salvation. It's your choice. And God has done everything possible to save you, except make your choice for you. Thank you for watching. This has been the audio podcast of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. Polygamy, What Love Is This? is produced by A Shield and Refuge Ministry. More information on this program, including the video version of it, can be found at whatloveisthis.tv. If you have any questions or need help getting free from Mormon fundamentalism, write us at contact at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 1-800-877-425-9993.